1: Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. The big CPI sell-off, the S&P dropping more than 2% at its lows. The Dow seeing its worst day since last March. The yield on the 10-year, its highest level in over two months. The culprit, a hot inflation report that sparked fears that a rate cut is not just around the corner. Is this just the start of the air coming out of this rally and how much more pain is left to come? We'll debate that. Plus, a regional wreck, the KRE ETF, posting its lowest close since late November, as the sector comes to terms with higher for longer. Which banks will feel the pain? Which uh, can stage a rebound? But it wasn't all bad news amid the sea of red. A handful of stocks were actually hitting 52-week highs or better. We'll get a look at the surprising standouts. And some after-hours action that may help set a better tone for tomorrow. We'll go inside the moves of Lyft, Robinhood, and Zillow. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We start off with that CPI spark sell-off. Stocks closing off their lows, but still red across the board. The Dow shedding more than 500 points. Ford's biggest loss since last March, the S&P 500 down 1.3%, while the Nasdaq lost 1.8%. Rate-sensitive small caps getting particularly hard hit. The Russell 2000 down nearly 4%, its biggest one-day drop since June 2022. The inflation print rippling through the Treasury market, the 10-year yield crossing 4.3%, its highest level since December 1st. The two-year yield also at two-month highs. And volatility spiked sharply in the session. The VIX briefly crossing above 17 for the first time since since November. So after a huge run for stocks, is this the tipping point? Is this the one that you've been waiting for, Guy?
2: Well, we've seen things like this before that have not have not turned into anything. However, I mean, the VIX was elevated yesterday on a pretty benign day, and we actually traded up to almost 18 today in the VIX before pulling back. The rates move, to me, makes sense, but although I didn't think we were going down to 380. I'll say this, the TLT which measures this, despite that huge rally in the TLT and yields coming off, it still made a series of lower highs and lower lows since April of 2020. I think the TLT continues to go lower. I think rates go higher. I think the VIX stays elevated. And yeah, I think it's the beginning of something in the market without question, Mel. You've also believed
1: that rates are going higher. Yeah,
3: and, and it's it's I, part of it is just looking at charts. Part of it is understanding the deficit didn't get better today. I mean, we we heard about also some spending for Ukraine. There's some dynamics in, in, in terms of both the inflation front and also where rates, I think, can be sticky for technical reasons. There's also a 23% move in the S&P since October 26th. I mean, there's also a view that somebody's doesn't have to be all right. I think I kind of feel like we live in a world where you, you, if you don't totally agree with somebody, you don't agree with anything they say. Well, back to this metaphor, you know, stocks or bonds, uh, excuse me, stocks or rates, one of them is totally wrong. So I mean, and, and, I don't think one of them is totally wrong, but I, I do think you can't have it both ways here. You can't have a, a world where rates have gone significantly higher over the last two and a half years uh, and equities are trading at a higher multiple and acting as if higher rates don't matter. I understand there's a lot of different things that including A.I., massive tech spend, normalization of the economy, a job market that's on fire. These are all reasons to want to own equities. And by the way, the, 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 the economy feels great and earnings have been great. Um, Anyway, today's kind of feels like a relief, actually. I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, as someone that allocates capital, it's nice to see markets acting kind of rationally.
1: Except that if one were to make the case that this is sort of a FOMO-fueled rally, that AI sort of, you know, boosted a lot of this, NVIDIA closed basically flat on mm-hmm. the day. So you would think that if we had a sell-off in the Nasdaq, you'd want, if you believe that we are in for some sort of flush and the market is due... I would think that you would want to see that flush in NVIDIA as well as the poster child for this market rally. Right.
4: It'll be the last battle fought. And you know what else was green was Eli Lilly. I mean, so these are two of the poster children for the biggest mega trends that we've seen in, you know, the economy and the markets in a very long time. And they've sucked a lot of money into them. And they're going to be they're going to get defended. I mean, really, until the stories change, you know, and I think the NVIDIA story is probably likely to change before the Eli Lilly story. But again, I, I don't focus too much on that. I focus on things like, you know, last. Night, you, I think you called me sarcastic or something. I was talking about that. That's weird. Really, that's surprising. Right, like
1: everything was coming up. Oh, yeah. How about some sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, what a you surprise. Know, to she
4: just wanted to be me. really clear that right. nobody thought I was getting all geeked up about things in general. Exactly. But but the point is that the fact that you have the Russell almost reverse those gains that we've had over the last week or so in one fell swoop, right? Like to me, I think the Russell and guys pointed this out on many occasions has actually been a really good indicator. You know, it's one of those things that when it gives it up, it's like okay, the large caps are going to. follow not too long after. And so I look at this, I agree with what Tim said wholeheartedly, okay? If you look at the move that we had the last time the 10-year yield was at 4.3%, the S&P was below 4,600. And I get it. Earnings have come in better. GDP has come in better. A whole host of things have come in better. But talk to me what it's going to be like for this economy with higher rates, for longer, with the dollar that's rallied the way it did. You know what I mean? So much of these earnings are coming from U.S. multinationals, right? And sooner or later, if inflation is starting to pick back up, the ability for companies to push through those input costs is going to get that much worse. They've been doing it for years, right? And so to me, I just think that this is probably the year that it gets a bit rockier. Last year seemed kind of easy for the bulls.
5: So we have this one data point now, and it's not surprising that the market reacted the way it should. I sort of agree with your announcement of it was a relief. I mean, if, yeah. if we if we step back just a tiny bit and squint, we are where we were Tuesday, right? So even though this seemed like a very big sell-off, it really wasn't when you, when you think about how extraordinary the move has been. So we have this one data point. It sort of gives us a, a look at how the market may react if we get some more data points. Um, I'm actually sort of surprised that the market's pricing in as high a likelihood of a cut in June as it is. Mm -hmm. Right. I would think that uh, waiting a while seems to be the right thing to do. But I think to your point, Dan, about AI, I mean, it was NVIDIA was down for, I don't know, an hour, maybe. I'm not quite sure when it sort of turned around. I think people want to play it out and see where, you know, how incredible can these earnings be? I don't know. So I didn't do a lot of anything today. Doesn't
4: that make a little you nervous that the entire market is waiting on that one data point next week? Like, like, like literally. I mean, I've heard it again and again all day on the network. Um, you know, I just see it on the internet. Like, like, everyone's waiting for this one company that just gained 900 billion dollars in market cap in six weeks, based on what their customers have said, based on what their competitors have said. And so, if you think the hopes and dreams are all encapsulated in one earnings report in a company that has absolutely gone parabolic in a way. That every other time in the history of the markets, when we've seen that sort of behavior, it actually corrects the other way and usually overcorrects the other way, as good as the story may be. And so, like, I just look at this and say, okay, I'm a little early and being kind of pessimistic on the stock move, not on the technology and not on the implications for the economy and and how it's going to flow through so many different transformative things over the next years, decades, whatever the heck it is. But that is encapsulate a trillion Mm dollars in two months seems a little overdone and now the whole market every investor is waiting for that one thing
1: well the two examples the examples that you gave at the beginning of the show in terms of what has sort of captured investors imagination what has you know been the poster children for this market rally Eli Lilly as well as Nvidia every single testing point mm-hmm. they've delivered despite these concerns. What if they don't deliver this time? So much is built well, into the but, stock. But, yes,
5: but Nvidia twice has traded down, even when that's they true. delivered. That's true. So, uh, you know. But then have we,
1: gone, has gone higher, way higher. But, right. but am it, I it, concerned? Yeah, I am. It's expensive, <laughs>
3: right? I will be selling going into of it. Of all the stocks, and maybe not in December 25th or late in, you know, right before New Year's. But of all the stocks, if you ask someone in November, um, which is the stock of the megacaps uh, that's not going to be up 45 percent year to date through February 13th, you were probably going to say it was nvidia there's no way they were going to do what they did last year and they're on a pace to far exceed it it gets back to i I believe in a combination of things i'm mostly a fundamental guy but i I i care about dynamics as they relate to positioning uh the bank of america fund manager survey came out and they said tech positioning is its highest since august of guess what 2000. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an ugly sound when you think about where the calendar was and what the markets did. And then the flip side of some other data points in there, I think it's fascinating stuff. They're only statistics. But if you believe in contrarian dynamics, only 7% of the people filling out uh, that survey last week or two weeks ago, they compiled the data before the CPI number. Only 7% thought inflation was going to be sticky and move higher this year. 93% think it's going lower. That means most of those people actually believe there is no inflation. And if we show a little bit, um, some of the positions Positioning tells you that this market is going to have to react to that.
2: You know, it's in Karen's spot on in terms of the S&P. What has changed, though, were yields are obviously much higher. And that move in the VIX, don't underestimate a move up to 18 today and what was not a crazy panic day. That's a pretty significant move. But if you want a poster child for some of the craziness, look at Arm Holdings over the last couple of days. Our crack staff in EC can put up a chart. Gap opened higher yesterday. Huge amount of volume, probably traded 12, 13 times normal volume. Created that island. Gap opened lower today on about 70 million shares. This is a company now with $120 billion market cap that's going to do $4 billion maybe of revenues next year. I mean, you can do that math. That's extended in any universe that you live
1: in. Um, part of that fund manager survey was MAG-7 was the most overcrowded trade since long dollar October of 2022. Right. A very long trade. Um, and so in terms of positioning, I mean we've seen inflation come down um, and we've seen the MAG-7 go higher. We've seen rates uh, go up. We've seen the MAG-7 go higher. So in this environment, it seems like, you know, you could write that sort of context in which the MAG-7 would still move higher.
3: Yes, and and if we start to see slower growth, I mean, they should stay defensive. We, we you know we have this conversation all the time, but when positioning is as offsides as it is, uh, and I think there has been some FOMO chasing some of these stocks, and I think that's that's where you get to. I just think that there are some elements about a day when rates rocketed higher, where you had more inflation, um, where stocks started to react to some of this stuff, and you had financials really in the teeth. Uh, like New York Community Bank, I realize it's a poster child for things that could go wrong, but you can't tell me that on a day like today, that doesn't also put a bright light on credit issues that are eventual. It doesn't mean it has to be 2008. It means that there is a commercial real estate market that doesn't make sense in terms of the spreads and in terms of the core parts of that business.
1: Um, An earnings alert now on shares of Lyft. The stock had been up almost 70% after hours, but now up only uh, 16%. Deirdre Bosa is here with the headline that caused the stock to come back down to earth, if you can call up 17% down to earth. Debo.
6: (laughs) Melissa, I have never seen anything like this. It is wild. Lyft on the earnings call just corrected its earnings press release, says that it meant EBITDA margin expansion will be 50 basis points with one zero, not 500 basis points with two zeros. That is a major correction. I just had to go back to the earnings release and check it like five times. They did write 500 basis points. Like you said, shares went to almost up 60% in the after hours to 15%. On the bright side, they are still up more than 15%. Part of that has to do with those improved financials, but not quite as improved as some people might've first thought. We'll continue to listen to that call and bring you more commentary, Mel. That is fascinating. That Debo. Is
1: thank neat. you. Bozo, I mean, uh-huh. obviously algorithms, they can't right. tell right. that it makes no sense if it were 500. But but that speaks to so David Einhorn
2: last week. It speaks to exactly the points that he made. I mean, the machines don't want to say, wait right. a second, maybe there's a mistake. They read that, they interpret it, and that's what happens. That's why the market function, not broken, changed, although felt a little broken with that. I think they'll be sued within an hour, really
5: yeah, I mean I, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know that anyone was particularly disadvantaged. they all got the wrong information at exactly the same time, right, right, but I wouldn't be surprised if that that happens.
1: how are you Thank harmed you. if you're short if you're i mean you have to prove I, harm, right, if you're suing uh that
5: that you i
1: don't know that you bought it because you saw that
5: margins oh, were going to be yeah. And then that was and that was.
4: Yeah, but if you were buying a stock up seventy percent because you thought there was five, uh, you know, five hundred basis points of market, you should be neutered, and you probably
3: shouldn't be in the market <laughs> anyway. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, seventy percent. No, no, no. I- <laughs> exactly. I mean, okay. Although well, there was nothing sarcastic about it. <laughs> no, I was being <laughs> very. Like, not that I would do
4: the neutering, but I'm just saying gist, you might want to think maybe
3: a lobotomy or
4: something. Punished. like Punished.
1: They should be punished. Mm-hmm. Sure. They deserve punishment. Nobody has been
4: hurt in in this other than financially.
3: But as someone that's long lived and someone that sees a lot of great things in these numbers, I want to point out quarterly bookings were up 17%. Of the 40 million users last year, that you know, 25% uh, were new users. And, and one of the things that I, I guess I've always felt as a shareholder of Lyft that I was waiting for um, – profitability, not just adjusted profitability. So let's see. Um, but clearly, margins are getting better. But but the dynamic of, uh, of a du- uh, an effective duopoly in rideshare right now, and I live in a city where you can't get in taxis anymore, because not because you can't find them, because they made the taxis unaffordable. So now, actually, uh, in every major city in the country, you have two options. And believe it or not, they're not cheap options, but they're the cheapest options because cabs no longer are cheap enough to ride. Sorry, yellow guys. Uh, it's a case of where I think the yellow cabs have just become difficult. But look, I think it gets back to the profitability and a company that really has been waiting for normalization. The dynamics you're hearing about in rideshare and their ability to pass on higher prices, uh, I think, continues. And I think the stock's going higher. It may not be 70 percent today, but I think you're staying in the stock for that.
1: All right. uh, Let's move on to banks here. Getting hit hard in today's sell off. The KBE big bank ETF falling 3.6 percent, while the KRE regional bank ETF getting hit even harder, down more than 4 percent. Here to break down where we go from here is Jannie Montgomery Scott, director of research, Christopher Marinak. Christopher, great to have you with us. Thank you. Um, If we push out rate cuts, um, let's let's just say for argument's sake, rates stay exactly where they are right now. Does that do anything in terms of your thesis for
7: regionals? Not really. I think that it's a mixed uh, impact. I think that higher loan yields are going to be positive for banks. I think deposit costs will continue to rise. So I think the net interest margin the stabilization theme that had been uh, vigorous the last four to six weeks probably gets pushed out one quarter. That to me is the worst case scenario. I, I think you know the question ultimately is, is the five-year Treasury going back to 5%, not 432 where it closed today? If we go back to last year's highs, then I think it's going to be more of a struggle for the stocks and for the business. Um, I, I'm not convinced that that's going to happen, though.
1: When do you think we see the, the biggest impact, the, the peak in terms of, you know, defaults and delinquencies from commercial real estate? How much of a lag is it? Because obviously it's not coincident. It's not. It's certainly not, you know, leading. So, um, you know, in the great financial crisis, if you take a look at the St. Louis Fed data, it shows Q1 of 2010 after yep. the great financial crisis. That was the peak in terms of delinquencies for commercial real estate. Where do you see it? How much of a lag? And should we be prepared? Are we are we should we price that in right now, that delayed impact?
7: Sure. I think it's being priced in. I think it will continue to be. I think the answer to your question, second half of twenty five. It takes several quarters to recognize risk in the industry. We started last year, so we're a few uh, innings into this. But to me, it's going to go into two thousand twenty six. So I think your peak will be a second half of twenty five banks, the good news is they have really good cash flow with PPNR operating earnings that they can continue to fund loan loss reserves, earn their way through it. I think capital is going to actually continue to build for these companies while they go along. And so sure, we're going to struggle on net interest margin and deposit costs and those indicators. But the reality is the banks have the earnings to fund the reserves to handle the risk. Um, it's just not pleasant as you go through the process.
5: It's Karen. Thanks for being on. So when do you think the stock prices will be sort of under the most pressure, at that same time or before that?
7: So I think it's happening before, Karen, because the reality is we have already a lot of conjecture about how bad commercial real estate is and how bad losses are. So the stocks are down way in advance of that. So we still have a little bit of premium on price to book and and PEs for the group, although I think many stocks are at a discount uh, to where they usually trade the question is going to be where are earnings going to be in a year from now and tangible book a year from now? I feel earnings and tangible book will be higher. It's just going to be a slow play as we roll through. I think the worries are going to continue because, again, it's going to take us several quarters to really recognize all the challenges.
1: Chris, great to speak with you. Thank you.
7: Thanks for having me.
1: Chris Marinak, where are we on this trade, do you think, Guy?
7: I I think
2: these banks have probably got, I mean, listen, Bank of America had a big rally. It's still nowhere close to its all time high. And that makes sense. But if you think rates are going higher, which I think Tim does, I do as well. I mean, Bank of America at five percent in 10 year back in October had a hold to maturity loss on their balance sheet of one hundred fifteen billion dollars. That has not changed. The only thing that's changed are rates. And if rates continue to
3: go up, I think Bank of America feels the pain. I think in the regional banks, it's a case of pardon dead money. I I just don't uh, I don't know that there has to be a disaster here. It's hard to see how the fundamentals get better. If you look at NYCB, I mean, it trades at 0.4 price to tangible book. I mean, it's trading at a massive, massive discount. That's not the one you need to go get. But the question is, are commercial real estate trends and other major metropolises any better? They're not. And, and they, they're at least going to continue to percolate. That's what everyone has said here. I.O. loans are going to roll off. Sweetheart uh, leases that a lot of these landlords have are going to roll off.
1: Coming up, we've got a huge slate of earnings to bring to you. Shares of Zillow, Airbnb, and Robinhood all on the move after reporting. And after today's major sell-off, could some of these big moves after hours set the stage for a big bounce back tomorrow? The numbers out of all the quarters ahead, plus a pulse check on energy. NatGas continuing its crash down nearly 50 percent over the past month. The reasons behind the big move and how to trade it when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Natural gas prices plunging again today, down about 5%, bringing the drop in the last month to nearly 50%. The commodity now at levels last seen in mid-2020. Pippa Stevens is here to break down the move and the ripple effects across the energy complex. Pippa.
8: Hey, Melissa, well, gas thinking to a more than three year low with four key factors driving the declines. The first and most important is the mild winter temperatures. December was the warmest on record. And apart from a few brief cold snaps, this winter has been moderate. EBW Analytics Eli Rubin told me weather driven demand has been, quote, off the charts, bearish. Less demand means more gas in storage with inventory roughly 11 percent above the five-year average. Production also remains around record levels. And finally, one of Freeport's three LNG trains is currently undergoing repairs, which reduces export demand. In terms of how low can we go, OTC Global Holdings' Campbell Faulkner telling me sub 150 is where things really start to hurt. Now, in a day where we saw so much red, gasoline futures climbed higher in part because of the ongoing outage of BP's whiting refinery, the largest in the Midwest. And that, Melissa, is pushing up Phillips 66 and Marathon Petroleum, which I know Guy is watching pretty closely. Back to you. You're in his head, Pippa. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pippa Stevens.
2: Not enough room in there. But
1: plenty of room. Cavernous. This <laughs> actually is cavernous.
2: Well, back in the day, we used to call—I think it's still called—natural gas the widowmaker, make and you mm-hmm. see the reasons why. So i am not—we're basically right around cost of production now. Can it go lower? Absolutely. However, as Pippa just said, those names and those names that Paul Sankey brought a couple of years ago continue to work. And there's nothing really that should stop them at this point, other than just buying exhaustion, which I haven't seen.
3: Oh, well, I, I look at the overall oil trade. I agree. I don't, I don't trade net gas. I never really have uh, the uh, the gassy exposed uh, integrated are, are have been interesting and have done very well. But if you uh, I just take the macro on the sector, OPEC was out there talking about demand for the next couple of years. They were talking up demand, not down demand. Uh, and I think their ability to control pricing here. I look at Brent. Brent's now back above the hundred. I think that's a decent chart. And I think the energy names, the integrated names especially are where I'd be.
1: We've got an earnings alert here on Zillow. The company reporting a beat on the top and the bottom line. Shares are up about 3% after hours. Steve Kovacs got all the details. Steve.
9: Yeah, it's a good beat here. It's better up better than, I don't know, 3.5% or so after that beat, like you said, on the top and bottom lines, Mel. Earnings, big beat there. 20 cents a share adjusted versus the 12 cents the street was looking for. And as for the segments, let's dive into that. Residential sales up 3% year over year to $349 million. Company also pointing out it beat the broader residential real estate market, which contracted 4 percent by 700 basis points. Rentals, that's a growing segment for them, up 37 percent year over year to ninety three million dollars and mortgages up 22 percent year over year to twenty two million dollars. Here's a really fun stat for the full year for you guys. The Zillow website, two point two billion visits all year. That's a lot of millennials looking at houses they can't afford,
1: guys. All right, Steve. Thank you. Thanks. Steve Kovac. Um, Karen. Yes. Been in this. Karen's I am Zilla. in this. You are in it now. Yeah. So
5: uh, It was like Two acronyms back, but um, I, I mean, there's back a lot when you to played like the here. Game the right way. Th- I'm sorry, I had to do that. I'm just <laughs> <had to> play. <laughs> all right, all right. So the X and Helm doesn't work for you. That's fine. <laughs> um, there was a lot to like here. I mean, they're really building just the, the, an incredibly powerful and asset-light um, business. And imagine, imagine if there were existing home sales on the market mm. and more transactions happening what this company could do. So uh, also, they had nice guidance, but I think of them as a bit of uh, under-promise over-deliver. So happy that midpoint of the guidance was a
1: little beat, but a lot to like here, except rates. Right. And we saw the entire housing sector today creamed on the back of higher rates.
2: Yeah, and that's that's, right. That's the rub there, because if rates continue to go higher, it's going to further put a damper on things, I think. And you can say Zillow's maybe a little expensive on valuation. Karen can speak to that. But it doesn't mean they're not the axe in the space. So despite the run that it's had, if you think rates have topped out here, I think you can actually get around this name.
1: Coming up, the earnings action rolls on. We're digging into all the after-hours movers. Airbnb, Robinhood, MGM, just some of the names reporting results, details of the quarter's next, and higher prices hitting the most cash-strapped consumers, how they are handling rising costs on everything from housing to insurance. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq Market Side in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Airbnb giving up earlier gains, now lower despite reporting better than expected revenue. Let's get back to Deidre Bosa for the details. Debo.
6: Hey, Mel. Airbnb has been choppy in the after hours. It's now down about 4%. it was a little messy because a one-time charge led to a net loss, but when you dig through at the fundamentals, they were still strong in the quarter. You had a beat on gross booking, slightly a higher average daily rate, and its outlook for Q1, it was strong not just against street expectations, but relative to the travel industry at large. Perhaps tempering those results, though, the company says that it expects Q1 growth rate to moderate because of a relatively hard comp in the first quarter of 2023 now the call just wrapped up and i'm going to pick out one interesting question an analyst asked how brian chesky was going to incorporate generative ai and chesky said that they're developing a leading ai interface to provide an experience that's more personalized than anything that you've ever seen it kind of hints at airbnb wanting to go beyond its core he said that it would allow them to go from a single vertical company to a cross vertical company because one of the things we've noticed he says is that the largest tech companies are not a single vertical he didn't give us any more clues he's been talking about going beyond the core for some time and says that we're going to hear more later this year but maybe hinting at it here back to you
1: all right devo thank you dia jabosa uh stocked down almost four percent at this point uh you know it's- not very, it's different from what we heard from Expedia in terms of its guidance. Expedia clearly took the guidance down. Um, but Airbnb also had a $6 billion uh, buyback, which was interesting too.
5: I'm, I don't know what the other vertical is. This is I, I, interesting. No, I'm, I'm still it, thinking about know, that too. I know. And there's know something ironic about, you know, we're going to have AI give you a much more
1: personal experience. That is a little bit ironic. Um, what else will they want to know? They know I, the ages of the people who are going there, what you want there. And, I mean, I don't know. Really,
5: oh, on. sorry you're upset with this. You know, we'll help We'll help you fix it. But, what I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm very interested in what that other vertical is. What are they trying to do there? Um, but I think they're talking about strong international travel, which might be good for some of the airlines.
4: If we're playing... Would you rather? And I'd look at like Expedia and the way it got hit last week. You and, want to know? Would you rather? Yeah. So, so, really so, hard. yeah. Basically, just, if they're doing a one-quarter deceleration well, in the in the quarter, that it's more cost. likely like. Another quarter after that. But, the tough, had a nice,
1: but they say it's tough comparisons, Right, man. tough
4: comparisons. Mm-hmm. They had a big charge in the thing. I, what I would say is like uh, Expedia's already corrected. Um, 20% expected uh, earnings growth for the next two years. 10% uh, expected revenue growth. 88% gross margin trading about 11 times this year. Nine times next, I'd go for Expedia. They have the Verbo. I actually used
2: Verbo in yeah. Q4. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, you did. Airbnb is in an uptrend since December of 22. So if you look, this uptrend has not been broken yet. We just traded up to the July 23 high, about 150-ish. I think you're looking for a place
3: to buy it. And I think you would get a shot at 138. That should be support. Love that margin profile. I agree. It's been a beast. I mean, it's up 55% over the last six months. You're waiting for a pullback. Um, the travel dynamics, I think, again, for them, it's a little different than some of the core players, certainly different than the hotels and the airlines. Uh, it's a tech company, and it's getting that multiple. I think it's cheap relative to their peers.
1: Coming up, consumers under pressure as the liquidity crunch hits those who need it most. And even with potential relief around the corner, our next guest says it won't be enough. We will explain next. And there's more earnings action coming your way. Shares of Robinhood and MGM Resorts on the move after reporting the details of the quarter when Fast Money returns.
4: Missed a moment of fast? Catch us anytime on the go. Follow the Fast Money podcast.
3: We're back right after this.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks selling off after this morning's hot inflation report. The Dow tumbling more than 500 points. Its worst day in almost a year. The S&P down more than 1%. The Nasdaq down 1.8%. And the Russell 2000 leading the losses down nearly 4%. Some earnings movers from this morning. Coca-Cola lower after reporting sales beating estimates boosted by higher prices. Shares of Marriott dropping 6% on weak outlook despite its earnings beat. Beer maker Molson Coors also lower despite an earnings beat in return to profit. And shares of Shopify falling more than 13%. The company reporting a beat at the top and the bottom line, but giving a mixed forecast for the current quarter. And speaking of earnings, MGM also on the move after our shares dropping despite a beat in the top and the bottom line. Shares of Boeing, meantime, getting hit during the regular session. That stock down more than 2% after orders and deliveries fell in January as the company dealt with the fallout from its mid-air door blowout, Boeing down more than 20% this year. And shares of Vizio surging nearly 25% and reports retail giant Walmart is in talks to buy the TV maker for more than $2 billion. Shares of Dropping nine percent on that news. Well, a fintech CEO is sounding the alarm on hot, the hotter-than-expected inflation print. He's not surprised consumer prices accelerate in January. He says his customers, more than half of whom hold down multiple jobs to make ends meet, are feeling that pinch. Stuart Sopp is the CEO of Current. Stuart, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. So always good to get your insight, particularly into this demographic. Um, I read the notes and it said that you don't think that the Fed is going to allow a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of delinquencies amongst this cohort. So do you think that there's a backstop in place that they will step in and cut before it gets too late?
9: Yeah, that's a good question. I think the the inflation wasn't any surprise to us at Current because um, car insurance, um, renting uh, food price and inflation, all these things that are essential um, uh, goods and services to the everyday Americans were, um, were basically going up and never really went down that much. So the blend is much higher. And also we saw the spend increase. On top of that, we have buster, uh, like amazing job growth, which we saw in the January report. Um, when you look at that combined uh, with, with the food price inflation and the, and the car insurance at 20 percent, it's very obvious to us that inflation was going to be a lot higher this
6: time.
4: Stu, so, you know, we just were digesting a bunch of like fast food um, earnings over the last couple of weeks and inflation was a, a key theme throughout that. And so, you know, I kind of remember you saying once to us is not only are your customers um, consumers at, at, at like a McDonald's, but they also work there. Right. right. So what are some of like the leading indicators? Like we're always trying to kind of figure out how this moves its way to another demo. What, what are some of the things it yeah. starts with food? Is it gas? What are some of the things we should have our eyes uh, open for over the next few months?
9: So at current, obviously, um, we're focused on an on a everyday American sub-prime, sub-620 FICO score, if that makes sense. Average HHI is like 45K. So not only do they uh, consume Starbucks, McDonald's, uh, and, and work at Walmart, and consume at Walmart, they also work there. And so you should be looking at those, obviously, those earning reports last week, and you were starting to see uh, telltale signs of some of those things happening. Um, but I, I think more broadly, you're seeing Um, a deterioration in potentially credit quality. Look at the, I I would draw draw your attention to credit cards and their delinquencies. Look at the subprime, 16% uh, delinquency rates, four times that of the superprime. You look at um, uh, credit card uh, debt overall is 54% year on year higher. Um, So at the moment we're seeing the consumer and their their journey from Christmas all the way to January into February, filling that gap with credit that they don't necessarily afford. Credit
2: card debt—the average rate, I think, is 21.47%. Now, 1.13, 1.13 trillion. Consumer debt in aggregates now north of 17.5 trillion. How does that play into your demographic with all the moves in interest rates that we're seeing?
9: Yeah. So going back to uh, Melissa's point of the first time, I think the Fed has like three things they can play here. Um, The first is uh, pop the AI bubble, which we all think—I think we can all agree—that's probably a bubble. Two is commercial real estate that's stacked in uh, regional banks. So that's one thing it may or may not play out. And third is the U.S. consumer. uh, And do they want to play that game? So um, what I mean by that is a deterioration into Q2. Right now what we're seeing is tax refunds. They're all waiting for these tax refunds to hit over the next week. The IRS has been delayed a week. And so you're seeing the everyday consumer right now wait for that money. And what they'll do is they'll start spending down and paying down their auto loans, which is something you should be looking at. And their credit card debt, which is the thing I want to draw attention to because there's a missed product market fit for the consumer and what's being offered. I think then you look March into April. April's going to be the time when the U.S. consumer, if they don't pop one of those other two bubbles, the uh, U.S. consumer may be in trouble in Q2. I,
5: I almost called you Travis, which. Sure <laughs> uh, so, so i looking at you don't charge monthly fees. No, um, that's great. So is this a not for profit endeavor or if it isn't, <laughs> where, where's the where's, you know.
9: Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Good (laughs) question. So uh, we are not credit. So there's no recourse in anything that we lend. Um, We are a a financial technology platform offering banking services. But we also uh, offer and extend liquidity between paychecks up to $500. So we have no recourse. You don't necessarily get all the money back. Um, The way we make our money is through interchange. So if they're using our card, that's great for us. So we'll take some of that cut that comes from the merchant. Um, And it's on our credit rails because you can also credit build as well. And two, if you want that money immediately, there is an instant fee of about $4.99. So that's how we make our money. Not like a credit card where you'd be like, OK, uh, I don't want to pay it back this month. It would not cost me anything. There's, there's no recourse for us. So that's how we make our money. And I think it's a fair deal for the consumer.
1: Just going back quickly, yep. uh, Stuart, to your the notion that you can pop the AI bubble. And that's sort of one of the options of the Fed. That's really taking the markets down, right? You want yeah. the asset prices to come down. The way to do that would be to hike, <clears throat> I would think, hike rates. Yep. Hiking rates would also make the CRE problem play out. It would also break the back of the consumer, potentially. Yeah, so you so. see that as sort of what needs to be done?
9: Is it possible? I think they're kind of hoping. Um, they injected liquidity at the end. If I put my, trade, my old trader back hat on, uh, they injected liquidity into the end of uh, year end of last year. We're starting to see that tail end uh, sort of run off, right? So we've seen equity markets make all new time highs, come off a little bit for today. I think the Fed's probably looking at this and going, we went from a hard landing to a a soft landing to maybe a no landing. And that's what the market is picking up, I think, on on the data today. I don't think they're ready to hike rates. I do think we'll see rate cuts sometime in H2. But we're going to see one of these three, or maybe it's a combination of all those three things, play out in Q2, where they'll say, okay, something's happened. If If I was to put my money on it, I think all three deteriorate. And the thing I know least about is the AI bubble, and I think that's the risk. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Stewart, thank you. Thank
2: good you. to see you, Stuart He's the third Kelsey brother. No joke.
9: <laughs> He's a good-looking man, Stu.
2: But it's great to have him on, you know, every quarter or so, because he gets an insight that we don't really hear from a lot of the times. And, you know, his customer base is what we talk about in terms of who's getting hurt. So when the politicians come on and say, see, we're fighting inflation, we're winning, they're not winning. They're just inflation
3: is going up slower than it was before and people are feeling that right now and and the consumer it's it's whatever the feds going to do we know is going to be data dependent but what they are trying to do is knock down the labor market and and it's it's going to hit this segment the first and it gets back into i I, you know my old joke about buy now pay later you buy now you're going to pay later but discover we we saw you know the 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 ncos net charge offs. some of the dynamics around that consumer are already starting to deteriorate Uh, not massively but, but it just it begs the question, where do you want exposure going into a period where we're still kind of at peak labor?
4: But, you know, the labor thing is really interesting because we're seeing lots of layoffs and they look like more white collar yes, jobs. Yes. You know what I mean? And still And when you listen to Stu, there's still a lot of demand, right, I think, on you know, a lot of these service jobs. And that's kind of a conundrum, I think, for the Fed, too, right now.
1: Coming up, Robinhood shares jumping after the company saw a big boost in its latest earnings report. We'll have the latest numbers and analysis from the call next. Plus, it wasn't all down arrows out there. A few big names hitting brand new highs. We'll debate where they are heading next right after this. And during February, we are celebrating black heritage. Here's the co-CEO and president of Ariel Investments. When I think about how being black has impacted my success, I think of something very practical, which is that it allows me to stand out. There aren't a lot of people like me, and so at least I can be memorable. If I can take that opportunity to be memorable and say or do something that will leave an impression, I think it, it, it gets magnified. So just being different to me creates a great opportunity, and being black is one of my, my differences, especially in the industry that I'm in. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Robinhood, the stock jumping in extended hours after posting an unexpected profit. Kate Rooney has been listening to the call. She joins us with the very latest. Kate.
10: Hey, Melissa. So Robinhood's surprise profit was in part thanks to trading activity in crypto and then a surge in deposits for Robinhood. The call so far with analysts has really been focused on taking market share from incumbents like Fidelity. Robinhood surprised with three cents on EPS. Revenue was up 24 percent. Transaction-based revenue, which is a proxy for trading activity, was up about 8 percent. Driven by crypto trading, where volume nearly doubled. Subscription growth and average revenue per user. Also strong revenue per user was $81 and grew Quarter over quarter, executives on the call saying that they already passed four billion dollars in net deposits halfway through the quarter in January. That's the highest monthly total they've seen since the first half of 2021, which, of course, was the GameStop and meme stock era, which was a big moment for Robinhood. A third of that came from other brokers, and then in Q4, total net deposits hit 4.6 billion. Three billion of that came from across all the top brokers. Fidelity has been talked about a little bit on the call. It's called out by name. Average transfer balances. This is key. We're over $100,000. They are now starting to attract this higher income trader as they start to build out offerings like retirement accounts. We've got CEO Vlad Tenev tomorrow on the exchange in a broadcast exclusive at 1 p.m. Eastern. So don't want to miss that one, guys. Back over to you. Kate, thank you. Kate Rooney.
1: Uh, Guy, Hood was your final trade a couple nights ago, a few nights ago?
2: Well, we've all talked about it. I mean. First profitable quarter, I think, maybe I'm mistaken, but they will be profitable all next year. So good for them. They have a decent balance sheet. And I think this stock, this is one of those stocks that can sort of levitate higher and surprise some people. So I think you stay with it here.
1: To call out Fidelity in terms of being the source of transfers into Robinhood is very interesting, I think.
5: Yeah, it's sort of brazen a little bit. I mean, that's sort of their style, right? It's very in your face. But uh, good for them. It's a decent quarter.
4: You said it's got an okay balance sheet. They have nearly seven billion dollars in cash. As of today's close, they had a ten point three billion dollar market cap and three billion dollars in debt. We spent some time last night talking about um, Carl Icahn Mm -hmm. buying into JetBlue. And that is a a train wreck of a balance sheet. Um, You know, that was neutered at some point um, in the not so long ago (laughs) or whatever. So when you think about activists looking for targets, um, that could be one.
1: Coming up, market bright spots on all stocks were down today. Sell off names like GE Waste Management and others hitting new 52 week highs. We'll go over the list, where they could be headed next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. There were some bright spots in the markets, despite the broader sell-off. Waste management wrapping the day at a record dating back to its 1988 IPO. Travelers at its best since going public back in 1972. Toyota and Cigna also hitting all-time highs during the session. And General Electric rising more than percent to its highest level since 2017. Um, a couple of these names, Tim, I thought of you, GE, and Toyota, specifically Toyota.
3: Yeah, GE is one of these names that that I I think I probably held it during the period where it wasn't hitting 52-week highs. And, and, you know, I have a small position, and I even got some of those spin-outs, which have done pretty well. But Toyota is a story. If you look at Japanese stocks, we've talked about this. They're making new, fresh 34-year highs. Some of this is... are are the fundamentals there. Uh, If you're a Toyota, we've talked about they're kind of in the sweet spot also possibly of where you want to be in terms of hybrids and some of their core business. But um, they are an exporter. Uh, The weaker yen is very good for them. And if you notice the weakness in dollar yen, Guy brought this up earlier today. Uh, It's fantastic for export stocks in Japan. I like Japanese stocks. I think they go higher.
1: Uh, Waste management reported earnings better than expected. So uh, the whole space is up. Also, there's, I mean, obviously a defensive nature to Very defensive waste.
2: nature. They had that crazy golf tournament where people get hammered and throw things. I mean, it's <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. This Phoenix Open thing is out of mm. control. You I'm, ever I'm, you I ever have bad? not. And I don't want to go. Apparently, the golfers don't want to go either. But it's still actually <laughs> relatively fair on valuation. It's one of these we never talk about. We probably should lower left, upper right still looks
1: good. And insurance companies did well in today's session, which maybe is no surprise given the rise in insurance costs that we've seen in CPI. Well, there's that,
5: but also the float. I mean, if rates are higher. Travelers, they put up a gigantic quarter, so good for them.
1: And Uh, Elevance also hit a new high in today's session during the session. Was that
5: a new high? Okay.
1: Like a 2 week high, Elevance, I thought Ah. of you.
5: Okay. Well, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go, Karen. Yay. All right. (laughs) Not
5: expensive.
4: You didn't think of me at all. (laughs) You (laughs) went around the horn. you thought everybody (laughs) in stock.
1: (laughs)
3: That's fine.
1: Well, those names aren't, I don't associate. Not, note the, yeah, note not the sarcasm.
3: Not, Again. Well, yeah. I mean, didn't think about me. Yeah. I know.
1: Yeah. No, I think that was real. <laughs> okay. Up next, final trades. I did not think of you. <laughs> One more quick check on shares of Lyft. It's up uh, 18.7 percent. It had been up as much as 70 percent before the company put out a correction. Remember, in the press release, they said 500 basis points of adjusted EBITDA margin expansion, but it should be 50 basis points big difference still shares holding on to almost a 19 percent gain after hours time for the final trade Let's go around the horn Tim Seymour
3: and it is my final trade once the Ellen lags and I, I think you're buying the dip on this Haha, ha. uh, I think this is a case where the fundamentals here. Of this company are getting better.
1: Too bad. It's not Blycep.
5: <laughs> <Blysef. Aaron>.
4: Yes, <laughs> yes,
5: uh bought back a little bit of TLT today uh, nice move in rates higher brought some back Dan.
4: Yeah, these guys are right on rates, and they're going higher. I think banks are going lower, so BKX.
2: Guy. You know, Mel called Tim and I last night before the Rangers game. She's like, Igor's going to pitch a shutout. Unbelievable. Stand on his head. Unbelievable. He she's, I I mean, she, no she's, talkie, she knows hockey. I
1: try. See him, no, group before no, the bell
2: time. tomorrow. This is a good environment for them, Mel.
1: Thank you for watching Fast Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now.
0: warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.